0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter Thirty Three, Sixth Century Political Economy. However, I made a dead set at him. And before the first third of the dinner was reached, I had him happy again. It was easy to do in a country of ranks and castes. You see, in a country where they have ranks and castes, a man isn't ever a man. He's only part of a man. He can't ever get his full growth. You prove your superiority over him in station, or rank, or fortune, and that's the end of it. He knuckles down. You can't insult him after that. No, I don't mean quite that. Of course, you can insult him. I only mean it's difficult, and so unless you've got a lot of useless time on your hands, it doesn't pay to try. I had the Smith's reverence now, because I was apparently immensely prosperous and rich. I could have had his adoration if I had had some little gimcrack title of nobility. And not only his, but any commoners in the land though he were the mightiest production of all the ages, in intellect, worth, and character, and I bankrupt in all three. This was to remain so as long as England should exist in the earth. With the spirit of prophecy upon me, I could look into the future and see her erect statues and monuments to her unspeakable Georges and other royal and noble clothes-horses, and leave unhonored the creators of this world, after God, Gutenberg, Watt, Arkwright, Whitney, Morris, Stevenson, Bell. The king got his cargo aboard, and then the talk, not turning upon battle, conquest, or ironclad duel, he dulled down to drowsiness and went off to take a nap. Mrs. Marco cleared the table placed the beer keg handy, and went away to eat her dinner of leavings in humble privacy. And the rest of us soon drifted into matters near and dear to the hearts of our sort. Business and wages, of course. At first glance, things appeared to be exceedingly prosperous in this little tributary kingdom, whose lord was King Bagdemagus, as compared with the state of things in my own region. They had the protection system in full force here, whereas we were working along down toward free trade, by easy stages, and were now about halfway. Before long, Dowley and I were doing all the talking, the others hungrily listening. Dowley warmed to his work, snuffed an advantage in the air, and began to put questions which he considered pretty awkward ones for me. And they did have something of that look. In your country, brother, what is the wage of a master bailiff, Master Hind, Carter, Shepherd, Swineherd? twenty five mil rays a day, that is to say, a quarter of a cent. The Smith's face beamed with joy. He said With us there allowed the double of it. And what may a mechanic get? Carpenter, dauber, mason, painter, blacksmith, wheelwright, and the like. On the average, fifty mil-rays, half a cent a day. Ho, ho! With us, they are allowed a hundred. With us, any good mechanic is allowed a cent a day. I count out the tailor, but not the others. They are all allowed a cent a day, and in driving times, they get more. Yes, up to a hundred and ten, and even fifteen mil-rays a day. I've paid a hundred and fifteen myself within the week raw for protection, to Sheol with fair trade. And his face shone upon the company like a sunburst. But I didn't scare at all. I rigged up my pile driver and allowed myself fifteen minutes to drive him into the earth. Drive him all in. Drive him in till not even the curve of his skull should show above the ground. Here's the way I started in on him. I asked, What do you pay a pound for salt? A hundred milrays. We pay forty. What do you pay for beef and mutton? When you buy it. That was a neat hit. It made the color come. It varieth somewhat, but not much. One may say seventy-five milrays the pound. We pay thirty-three. What do you pay for eggs? Fifty mil-rays the dozen. We pay twenty. What do you pay for beer? It costeth us eight and one-half mil-rays the pint. We get it for four. Twenty-five bottles for a cent. What do you pay for wheat? At the rate of nine hundred the bushel. We pay four hundred. What do you pay for a man's tow linen suit? Thirteen cents. We pay six. "'What do you pay for a stuff-gown for the wife of the laborer or the mechanic?' "'We pay eight cents, four mills.' "'Well, observe the difference. You pay eight cents and four mills. We pay only four cents.' I prepared now to sock it to him. I said, "'Look here, dear friend. What's become of your high wages you were bragging so about a few minutes ago?' And I looked around on the company with a placid satisfaction— for I had slipped up on him gradually and tied him hand and foot, you see, without his ever noticing that he was being tied at all. What's become of those noble high wages of yours? I seem to have knocked the stuffing all out of them, it appears to me. But if you will believe me, he merely looked surprised. That is all. He didn't grasp the situation at all, didn't know he had walked into a trap. Didn't discover that he was in a trap. I could have shot him from sheer vexation. With cloudy eye and struggling intellect, he fetched this out. Mary, I seem not to understand. It is proved that our wages be double thine. How then may it be that thou hast knocked therefrom the stuffing? And miscall not the wonderly word. This being the first time, under grace and providence of God, it hath been granted me to hear it. I was stunned. Partly with his unlooked-for stupidity on his part, and partly because his fellows so manifestly sided with him, and were of his mind, if you might call it mind. My position was simple enough, plain enough, How could it ever be simplified more? However, I must try. Why, look here, Brother Dowley. Don't you see? Your wages are merely higher than ours in name, not in fact. Hear him. They are double. Ye have confessed it yourself. Yes, yes, I don't deny that at all, but that's got nothing to do with it. The amount of the wages in mere coins... With meaningless names attached to them to know them by has got nothing to do with it. The thing is, how much can you buy with your wages? That's the idea. Well, it is true that with you, a good mechanic is allowed about three dollars and a half a year, and with us only about a dollar and seventy-five. there you're confessing it again. You're confessing it again. Confound it! I never denied it, I tell you. What I say is this. With us, half a dollar buys more than a dollar buys with you, and therefore it stands to reason and the commonest kind of common sense that our wages are higher than yours." He looked dazed, and said despairingly, Verily. I cannot make it out. Ye've just said ours are the higher, and with the same breath ye take it back. Oh, great Scott, isn't it possible to get such a simple thing through your head? Now look here. Let me illustrate. We pay four cents for a woman's stuff gown. You pay eight cents for mills, which is four mills more than double. What do you allow a laboring woman who works on a farm? Two mills a day. Very good. We allow but half as much. We pay her only a tenth of a cent a day, and... Again, you're confi... Th- Wait! Now, you see, the thing is very simple. This time you'll understand it. For instance, it takes your woman 42 days to earn her gown at two mills a day, seven weeks' work. But ours earns hers in 40 days, two days short of seven weeks'. Your woman has a gown, and her whole seven weeks' wages are gone. Ours has a gown, and two days' wages left to buy something else with. There. Now you understand it. He looked... well, he merely looked dubious. It's the most I can say. So did the others. I waited to let the thing work. Doubly spoke at last, and betrayed the fact that he actually hadn't gotten away from his rooted and grounded superstitions yet. He said, with a trifle of hesitancy, But, but ye cannot fail to grant that two meals a day is better than one. Shucks. Well, of course. I hated to give it up, so I chanced another flyer. Let us suppose a case. Suppose one of your journeymen goes out and buys the following articles. One pound of salt. One dozen eggs. One dozen pints of beer. One bushel of wheat. One tolan in suit, Five pounds of beef. Five pounds of mutton. The lot will cost him thirty-two cents. It takes him thirty-two working days to earn the money. Five weeks and two days. Let him come to us and work 32 days at half the wages. He can buy all those things for a shade under 14 and a half cents. They will cost him a shade under 29 days work, and he will have about half a week's wages left over. Carry it through the year. He would save nearly a week's wages every two months. Your man, nothing. Thus saving five or six weeks wages in a year. Your man, Not a cent. Now I reckon you understand that high wages and low wages are phrases that don't mean anything in the world until you find out which of them will buy the most. It was a crusher. But alas, it didn't crush. No, I had to give it up. What those people valued was high wages it didn't seem to be a matter of any consequence to them whether the high wages would buy anything or not. They stood for protection and swore by it, which was reasonable enough because interested parties had gulled them into the notion that it was protection which had created their high wages. I proved to them that in a quarter of a century, their wages had advanced but 30%, while the cost of living had gone up 100 and that with us, in a shorter time, wages had advanced 40%, while the cost of living had gone down steadily. But it didn't do any good. Nothing could unseat their strange beliefs. Well, I was smarting under a sense of defeat. Undeserved defeat. But what of that? That didn't soften the smart any. And to think of the circumstances the first statesman of the age, the capablest man, the best-informed man in the entire world, the loftiest, uncrowned head that had ever moved to the clouds of any political firmament for centuries, sitting here, apparently defeated in argument by an ignorant country blacksmith. And I could see that those others were sorry for me which made me blush till I could smell my whiskers scorching. Put yourself in my place. Feel as mean as I did, as ashamed as I felt. Wouldn't you have struck below the belt to get even? Yes, you would. It is simply human nature. Now that is what I did. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm only saying that I was mad and anybody would have done it. Well, when I make up my mind to hit a man, I don't plan out a love tap. No, that isn't my way. As long as I'm going to hit him at all, I'm going to hit him a lifter. And I don't jump him all of a sudden and risk making a blundering halfway business of it. No, I get away off yonder to one side and work up on him gradually so that he never suspects that I'm going to hit him at all. And by and by, all in a flash, he's flat on his back, and he can't tell for the life of him how it all happened. That's the way I went for Brother Dowley. I started to talking lazy and comfortable, as if I was just talking to pass the time. And the oldest man in the world couldn't have taken the bearings of my starting place and guessed where I was going to fetch up. Boys, there's a good many curious things about law and custom, and usage, and all that sort of thing, when you come to look at it. Yes, and about the drift and progress of human opinion and movement, too. There are written laws, they perish, but there are also unwritten laws, they are eternal. Take the unwritten law of wages it says they've got to advance, little by little, and straight through the centuries and notice how it works. We know what wages are now, here and there and yonder. We strike an average, and say that's the wages of today. We know what the wages were a hundred years ago, and what they were two hundred years ago. That's as far back as we can get, but it suffices to give us the law of progress, the measure and rate of the periodical augmentation, and so... Without a document to help us, we can come pretty close to determining what the wages were three and four and five hundred years ago. Good so far. Do we stop here? No. We stop looking backward. We face around and apply the law to the future. My friends, I can tell you what people's wages are going to be at any date in the future you want to know. For hundreds and hundreds of years. What, good man, what? Yes, in seven hundred years, wages will have risen to six times what they are now, here in your region, and farmhands will be allowed three cents a day, and mechanics six. I wouldn't, I might die now and live then, interrupted Smug, the wheelwright, with a fine avarice glow in his eye. And that isn't all. They'll get their board besides, such as it is. It won't bloat them. Two hundred and fifty years later, pay attention now, a mechanic's wages will be, mind you, this is law, not guesswork, a mechanic's wages will then be twenty cents a day. There was a general gasp of awed astonishment. Dixon the Mason murmured with raised eyes and hands, More than three weeks pay for one day's work? Riches, "'Of a truth, yes, riches!' muttered Marco, his breath coming quick and short with excitement. "'Wages will keep on rising, little by little, little by little, as steadily as a tree grows. And at the end of three hundred and forty years more, there will be at least one country where the mechanic's average wage will be two hundred cents a day.' It knocked them absolutely dumb. Not a man of them could get his breath for upwards of two minutes. The coal-burner said prayerfully, Might I but live to see it. It is the income of an earl, said Smug. An earl, say ye? said Dowley. Ye could say more than that, and speak no lie. There's no earl in the realm of Bagdemagus that hath an income like to that income of an earl? Humph! It's the income of an angel. Now then, that is what is going to happen as regards wages. In the remote day, that man will earn with one week's work that bill of goods which it takes you upwards of fifty weeks to earn now. Some other pretty surprising things are going to happen too. Brother Dowley, who is it that determines every spring... What the particular wage of each kind of mechanic, laborer, and servant shall be for that year? Sometimes the courts, sometimes the town council, but most of all the magistrate. He may say, in general terms, it is the magistrate that fixes the wages. Doesn't ask any of those poor devils to help him fix their wages for them, does he? Hmm, that were an idea. The master's that's to pay him the money is the one that's rightly concerned in that matter, you will notice. Yes, but I thought the other man might have some little trifle at stake in it too, and even his wife and children, poor creatures. The masters are these, nobles, rich men, the prosperous generally. These few who do not work determine what pay the vast hive shall have who do work. You see, they're a combine, a trade union, to coin a new phrase, who band themselves together to force their lowly brother to take what they choose to give. Thirteen hundred years hence, so says the unwritten law, the combine will be the other way. And then, how these fine people's prosperity will fume and fret and grit their teeth over the insolent tyranny of trade unions. Yes, yes. Indeed, the magistrate will tranquilly arrange the wages from now clear away down into the nineteenth century, and then all of a sudden the wage earner will consider that a couple of thousand years or so is enough of this one-sided sort of thing, and he will raise up and take a hand in fixing his own wages himself. Ah, he will have a long and bitter account of wrong and humiliation to settle. "'Do ye believe that he actually will help to fix his own wages? "'Yes, indeed. "'And he will be strong and able, then.' "'Brave times, brave times of a truth,' sneered the prosperous smith. "'Oh, and there's another detail. "'In that day a master may hire a man for only just one day, "'or one week, or one month at a time if he wants to. What? It is true. Moreover, a magistrate won't be able to force a man to work for a master a whole year on a stretch, whether the man wants to or not. Will there be no law or sense in that day? Both of them, doubly. In that day a man will be his own property, not the property of a magistrate and master, and he can leave town whenever he wants to if the wages don't suit him. "'and they can't put him in the pillory for it.' "'Perdition catch such an age!' shouted Dowley, in strong indignation. "'An age of dogs! "'An age barren of reverence for superiors and respect for authority! "'The pillory!' "'Oh, wait, brother, say no good word for that institution. "'I think the pillory ought to be abolished.' "'A most strange idea. Why?' "'Well, I tell you why. "'Is a man ever put in the pillory for a capital crime?' "'No. "'Is it right to condemn a man to a slight punishment for a small offense and then kill him?' "'There was no answer. "'I had scored my first point. "'For the first time, the smith wasn't up and ready. "'The company noticed it. it was a "'Good effect.' You don't answer, brother. You were about to glorify the pillory a while ago and shed some pity on a future age that isn't going to use it. I think the pillory ought to be abolished. What usually happens when a poor fellow is put in the pillory for some little offense that didn't amount to anything in the world? The mob try to have some fun with him, don't they? Yes. They begin by clodding him and... They laugh themselves to pieces to see him try to dodge one clod and get hit with another? Yes. Then they throw dead cats at him, don't they? Yes. Well then, suppose he has a few personal enemies in that mob, and here and there a man or a woman with a secret grudge against him? And suppose especially that he is unpopular in the community for his pride or his prosperity or... One thing or another? Stones and bricks take the place of clods and cats presently, don't they? There is no doubt about it. As a rule, he is crippled for life, isn't he? Jaws broken, teeth smashed out, or legs mutilated, gangrened, presently cut off, or an eye knocked out, maybe both eyes? It is true, God knoweth it. And if he is unpopular, he can depend on dying right there in the stocks, can't he? He surely can. One may not deny it. I take it none of you are unpopular? By reason of pride, or insolence, or conspicuous prosperity, or any of those things that excite envy and malice among the base scum of a village? You wouldn't think it much of a risk to take a chance in the stocks? Dowley winced, visibly. I judged he was hit. But he didn't betray it by any spoken word. As for the others, they spoke out plainly and with strong feeling. They said they had seen enough of the stocks to know what a man's chance in them was, and they would never consent to enter them if they could compromise on a quick death by hanging. Well, to change the subject for I think I've established my point that the stocks ought to be abolished. I think some of our laws are pretty unfair. For instance, if I do a thing which ought to deliver me to the stocks, and you knew I did it, and yet keep still and don't report me, you will get the stocks if anybody informs on you. Ah, but that would serve you but right, said Dolly, for you must inform, so saith the law. The others coincided. Well, all right, let it go, since you vote me down. But there's one thing which certainly isn't fair. The magistrate fixes a mechanic's wage at one cent a day, for instance. The law says that if any master shall venture, even under the utmost press of business, to pay anything over that cent a day, even for a single day, he shall be both fined and pilloried for it. And whoever knows he did it and doesn't inform, they also shall be fined and pilloried. Now it seems unfair, Dowley, and a deadly peril to all of us, that because you thoughtlessly confessed a while ago that within a week you have paid a cent and fifteen mil... Oh, I could tell you it was a smasher. You ought to have seen them go to pieces, the whole gang. I had just slipped up on poor, smiling, and complacent Dowley so nice and easily and softly that he never expected anything was going to happen till the blow came crashing down and knocked him all to rags. (laughs) A fine effect. In fact as fine as any I ever produced with so little time to work it up in. But I saw in a moment that I had overdone the thing a little. I was expecting to scare them, but I wasn't expecting to scare them to death. They were mighty near it, though. You could see they had been a whole lifetime learning to appreciate the pillory, and to have that thing staring them in the face, and every one of them distinctly at the mercy of me a stranger. If I chose to go and report, well, it was awful, and they couldn't seem to recover from the shock. They couldn't seem to pull themselves together. Pale, shaky, dumb, pitiful. Why, they weren't any better than so many dead men. It was very uncomfortable. Of course, I thought they would appeal to me to keep mum. And then we would shake hands and take a drink all around and laugh it off, and there an end. But no. You see, I was an unknown person among a cruelly oppressed and suspicious people. A people always accustomed to having advantage taken of their helplessness, and never expecting just or kind treatment from any but their own families and very closest intimates. Appeal to me to be gentle? To be fair? To be generous? Of course they wanted to, but they couldn't dare. End of chapter 33. Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with SolGood streaming at SolGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to solgood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Solgood streaming at solgood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, Thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to solgood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D